Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, it's all about Samsung's Galaxy S21 and the S21 Ultra. Literally, the minute we started recording this is when the embargo went up, so we could actually start talking about it. Sherlyn's review is up in Engadget. Also, Chris Velasco did the S21 Ultra. So we'll be diving deeply into those new phones and also... Some of the top news this week, uh, you know, we, we had a little bit of a change of leadership in America, so that's worth talking about. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to the Engadget podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. You can always email us questions at podcast at Engadget.com. We also typically record live around 10 a.m. Eastern on Thursdays. It's a little later this week because of the S21, um, but join us on our YouTube channel. You can interact with us in the chat, um, something you won't be getting in the audio version of this podcast is like the live hands-on demos by Sherlyn mm-hmm. of this phone. So that's a reason to tune in or go back and check out the actual YouTube recording. That's still up there, even if you're listening to this in audio. So before we get into our gadget nerdery, I think it is worth just spending a little time acknowledging the fact that we have left the Trump era of America. We've entered the Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris era, and uh, I, I feel I feel a little better. It feels like an enormous weight has been lifted from my shoulders. Um, it's sort of like that scene um, I forget the king in Lord of the Rings, right? But the one who is uh, kind of weighed down by the curse, and all of a sudden oh. the color rushes back to his face, and he comes back to life. I kind oh, of man. feel like that right now. I forgot um, his name, but the King of Gondor. Is it the King of Gondor? Yeah. Well, Was we're nerds. Uh, but Ronan, Ronan, point. anyway. Yeah. Ron- yeah, whatever. Right, right as a Rohan <laughs> well, or Rohan, something. Rohan. That was Rohan. Yes, thank you. Um, I kind of feel like that. I feel re-energized. And we, you know, I spent a lot of time yesterday just keeping the virtual inauguration on in the background. And it was really, it felt like a weird change of pace from when we were literally just a couple of weeks ago talking about a literal riot on the Capitol building. So... It is crazy how fast things are changing. Um, I'm excited. Uh, Sherlyn, was this your first time looking at a, you know, a presidential inauguration in the U.S.? I thought so. And then I remembered I actually did tune into bits and pieces of the Trump I'm inauguration. I'm sure you had to. Yeah. <laughs> With, yeah. And I blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> uh, but then I remember seeing scenes where the Obamas came out to greet the Trumps and, you know, in the car and, and Trump. Donald yeah. Trump left the car first, and then Melania. Well, I was remember. Like I also remember that, that scene. His inauguration speech was this weird 
fire and brimstone type of thing. Like it was just I don't remember like that at all. very doomsday. Um, whereas right now, uh, yeah, literally the opposite. One thing I'll remember uh, from the from the Trump inauguration is that day I went to go see Triple X three, the return of Xander Cage right after. And that ended up being the appropriate movie because it was all about this, uh, you know, this group of uh, basically people of color who are fighting the U.S. government, literally fighting the U.S. government. That movie rules. So be sure to check that out. Um, What what did you enjoy from the virtual inauguration? Because I did think it was a really, first of all, they knew they couldn't really have a huge party uh, because of Mm -hmm. COVID. And also, I think now, especially this year, it is a good time to have a platform to show off, you know, virtually like exactly what's happening, what's changing and to kind of recenter mm-hmm. America. And I think they at least did a great job of that on the with the virtual inauguration. Right. It was a well-constructed event. There were a lot of musicians, a lot of people um, just really trying to lift up the vibe of the country. So I kind of appreciated that after what we suffered through for the last four years. Uh, anything in particular that struck you, Sherlyn? Yeah, I, I tweeted this already, but like I, I'm pretty sure 16-year-old or even 22-year-old <laughs> me wouldn't believe that I just spent like the whole day with news TV on in the background just watching speech after speech like after speech. Like an adult, right? but yeah. Like a real, yeah, I, I told my parents when I was a child, I never watched the news. But anyway, um, <laughs> what stood out was, uh, I mean, I think for everyone, it seemed like Amanda Gorman and her, you know, Nobel, youth Nobel laureate for yeah. uh, poetry, I believe, uh, you know, gave a wonderful performance, I guess is the word Incredible for it. It's, it's the delivery, great, yeah, of, great delivery of her poem, too. Like Amazing. She stood out. She, and I think that's the, the other thing is that now that we're all at home, not being able to watch this inauguration, all working from home, we all had the excuse to turn on our TVs or yeah. have the feet playing on the background. And everyone had the chance to watch her make that delivery at the same time. I think that had a greater impact than, than say, a regular inauguration without the pandemic and without sure, this virtual sure. staging. There, there is usually, a, a, you know, some poet who gets up during the inauguration to kind of ring things in. But this was... It felt like such a defining moment. And I, for me, that was the collective like, oh, crap, we were all watching this and people were tweeting about it. Uh, yeah. I think I tweeted yeah. like this should be the new na- national anthem, basically. Right. Um, and beyond that, you know, we don't we're going to be following the Biden administration and kind of what they mean, uh, you know, what it means for tech and uh, the environment and things like that, too, like things specifically related to the beats we cover. But hey, it's worth noting yesterday, the first day, I think for his half day of work, uh, he got there like a true Lisa Simpson, you know, who was apparently he and his administration just had been doing the work and were ready. Like, OK, we got the OK. We have Sign 17 executive things, orders right. to execute on day one. And that included rejoining the Paris Climate Accord, uh, calling for federal building mask mandates, which shockingly has not been done. He extended student loan deferment, uh, basically also reoriented coronavirus leadership uh, so that the federal government was actually more in charge. Um, There's just so much. It's a long list of just like bangers and wins, I'd say, like revoking the Keystone XL pipeline, like amazing. Canceled rollbacks on emission standards. Astounding. He stopped oil and natural gas leases in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. It's just insane. And this is before we even get into his like um, $1.9 trillion COVID American rescue plan, um, which that's not directly tech related. But I think anything that helps to spur on small businesses and jobs in America, too, will be something we will end up talking about, too, because we're already seeing tech companies kind of step up 
to help more. Um, Microsoft offered to uh, give up some office space uh, in Seattle for, I believe, for vaccinations and for whatever they need. So clearly, you know, we're seeing, I think, the entire community step up. Um, we are talking, we've already talked about like his environmental plan too, which is another trillion dollar effort. And it's going to be a huge, huge deal. And I, we're going to follow that closely because this is an administration that's at least thinking more about what's new tech, uh, not trying to just bring back oil jobs or trying to do things that the old industries want. It does seem like they're thinking ahead. Um, we're going to need more jobs in this country too. Like after the pandemic basically cleared away, um, basically destroyed tons of jobs and the overall economy and businesses that people used to work for. We need like a green energy task force of some kind, you know, to have people who would be going out, building those, um, installing those solar cells, doing things like that to kind of reshape the country. I don't know if you have thoughts about what you're looking forward to, Sherlyn, with this this administration. And one thing he did roll back immediately mm-hmm. or, or, or seemed to announce quite early on anyway is some changes in his immigration policy yes. or, or in yes. the immigration policy. And that will have, I think, a great impact on the tech industry. I mean, we've covered the H-1B1 I'm sorry, H1B laws pretty intensively. And as like the resident visa person, I I kind of like (laughs) pay attention to that. I've covered it for us. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll see. We'll see what they do. But uh, that that to me is something that news wise I'm paying attention to because I think that ties quite closely with our scope of coverage. For sure. And this is where I need to remind people like, hey, we we're a tech site, we're a gadget site, but it is important to realize like all the mechanics of how the government works because all this stuff kind of affects where your gadgets are going to come from or how these companies actually support bringing in workers from the outside to help build and design the next iPhone. You know, all of this stuff is interrelated and I think very important. And hey, also Muslim ban, gone, gone. That's kind of nice. Oh. Um, it, yeah, it, it feels nice to see how much can change just quickly with having competent people in charge. We'll be following along with all this more, you know, in the future. But let's move on to the Galaxy S21 and S21 Ultra. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> You're that gif of just like right. coming from behind the curtain and like, hey, I got the new phone. <laughs> so I was very excited to learn that my review unit is the Lavender uh, <laughs> S21 it pretty. I like it. Um, our reviews of the S21 and the S21 Ultra are up. I covered the S21 and Chris Velasco uh, wrote up the review the S21 Ultra. And these are very different phones and that's why we chose to split them up. I think usually mm-hmm. if the phones are very similar, we tend to bundle them together in one review. Um, but yeah, they're very different. So let's go over what's different, right? Like why should you pick the S21 versus the S21 Ultra? Um, one thing to note, by the way, and it, this struck a chord with a lot of our viewers is that across the entire line, there is no micro SD card slot. So mm. is that the dang, end of an era for Samsung, right? Bit. I'm surprised they kept that going for so long. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people have been asking if the S Pen support on the Ultra marks the end of the Note series. And I right. feel like there's still enough that the Note series can ex- continue to exist, like micro SD card support on the Note 20 Ultra. Not sure about the smaller Note 20s just mm-hmm. yet, but I mean, the Note 20 Ultra might still exist as like one of those right. very power users sort maybe of Maybe they actually anyway, heard us and thought like, maybe we have too many phones, guys. Like, I'm pretty I sure know. they heard us yeah. because every time we write an article that slams them, I get DMs. <laughs> so <laughs> You get DM from Mr. Yeah, Samsung, no. but not the Mr. Samsung that was just indicted for bribery <laughs> charges in Korea. So 
Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, not, no. Um, <laughs> anyhow, so S21, S21 Ultra, the difference, you know, there's a lot of differences, right? The mm-hmm. size, for one, this is the S21 is a 6.2 inch screen. Uh, the S21 Ultra, I believe, is 6.8 inch. Uh, and then, you know, the screen, speaking of that screen, the screen resolution is one of the things that stood out for the S21 because mm-hmm. instead of kind of a 2K-ish display like last year, you got a full HD plus this year. Um, whereas on the S21 Ultra, you still have that, 30, I believe it's 3400 by 1440 display. So they actually go down in, specs. in resolution? For they the went S21? down okay. in resolution for the S21 and the S21 Plus. Mm. Another That was another complaint uh, on a lot of people's Although parts. You won't, but let's be realistic. You will not, your eyes will not see that. Yes, even if you exactly. had perfect vision, even if you had it like right up to your eyeballs, um, it's really hard to see the differences in those pixels. Yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. In a screen that's small, yeah. and, and it, it, you, it's hard to notice a difference. But I will say that, like the other thing that um, that means is, we, in the past they had the 120 hertz re- refresh rate mm-hmm. across the entire lineup, but only supported on full HD. Huh. So you'd have to go into the settings and select smooth the scrolling or whatever the settings name was and then it would enable that but only at it would lock you down to full hd resolution which is now worth it, by the way the, yeah right right depending on your your preference for battery drain or whatever but when you look at the s21 ultra it's now supported on that higher i think qhd plus uh-huh. is the is the actual resolution and then uh, as well as 1080 and then this guy the s21 and the s21 plus they support it, mm-hmm. but they don't have that higher resolution to choose from anymore. Oh, well. So in a way, yeah. you kind of have it all the time if you want it. Uh, and you don't mm-hmm. have to so-called sacrifice resolution on the bigger phone, but you already mm-hmm. like just sacrifice resolution. Uh, let me just say, we've talked about phone. higher refresh rates, right? Like that'll make everything look smoother, scrolling especially. And I think that's going to be really noticeable on phones. That is an immediate battery hit, right? Because you were literally yep. refreshing the screen that amount of times faster. So yeah, if yep. you had a 120 hertz screen versus a 60 hertz screen, that's literally twice as much juice as required to keep that display going. So, you know, yep. it's something I can see why Samsung was like, okay, let's hold back on resolution. Let's kind of like rein a lot of this in because I feel like so much of these new phones are, are just a numbers game for a lot of people. Like we've seen phones with 4K screens. Who cares? Who cares? You're not, doesn't matter. Not really, not like not something you can actually see. Um, but yeah, what else specifically? What is different about so the twenty and mitigate, the twenty-one? Because I'm really interested in that. Difference. To mitigate mm-hmm. the 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 uh, refresh rate, battery drain yeah. a little bit. There is this thing that you can turn on called adaptive uh, motion smoothing. Mm-hmm. I forget again these settings names. I just forget them the day, day after. But you can uh, adaptive refresh rate. So, but depending on what you do. Uh, the software will just adjust the uh, refresh rate down to 48 hertz on the S21 or S21 Plus, uh, say if you're just looking at a picture, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're scrolling, it will bump up the refresh rate to think to something like 120 mm-hmm. hertz where the smooth animation looks better. Um, on the S21 Ultra, you can go down as low as 10 mm-hmm. hertz. On the S21 and S21 Plus, the floor is 48 hertz. Um, the other differences are like S21 Ultra supports and the S Pen and the two smaller ones don't. Uh, and then the cameras, this is only a triple camera setup only, and the yeah. main sensor is only 12 megapixels sharp only. Um, <laughs> main camera is 12 megapixels sharp, but on the ultra, you got a quad sensor array. You've, you know, the main sensor is 108 <laughs> megapixels. Um, 
if you really, really want mm-hmm. something that's sharp. But that does enable like some binning on the Nymo, and I'll talk about that later. But um, and then it has a dual telephoto lens setup on the Ultra, whereas this only has one telephoto option, and it doesn't even do actual optical zoom. It does like what is, hybrid what is the point? Let me zoom. let me just say the S twenty one Ultra that camera array in the back because we're basically seeing. Uh, five lens pods and like the little the little pod for the flash mm-hmm. the ugliest thing I've ever seen on a phone it is horrific it is it <laughs> looks awful um it just seems like hey we had to cram all these I- lenses in let's not like do this in an elegant way um at least the s21 with those three lenses looks a little cleaner but I hate the way the s21 ultra looks have you seen it in person yet Sherlyn <laughs> I think I have, but I can't remember. Must when 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 I yeah. got this phone from V. Uh, that's probably when I saw it. But um, I, I will say that I don't know how else right. they can do it. I really don't know how else you can line up four or five sensors like that. Um, I will say, and, and the other thing I will say, I'll say a lot of things, is that I I really do. I didn't know if I would like the contour cut. Uh, this is what they're calling the way the kind of edge wraps around the corner mm-hmm. a little bit to house the camera module instead of having it float <laughs> in like the middle of mm-hmm. nowhere, that hump. Um, I like it because it's, it's actually more even mm-hmm. than before. Um, not not completely flush, right? But still, is that bad even, when it comes um, to protecting the, the lenses, the, though? Because I always find like the humps are good are good to like keep the lenses in a separate thing if you drop your phone or something. Yeah, I agree with you, but mm-hmm. I do think this metal housing is so, is fairly sturdy. I think it can get scratched up, but it seems sturdy. So I haven't <laughs> dropped this phone so far, which hallelujah. Um, but uh, there's also a slight like you can see sort of like a bit of glass. Mm-hmm. I want to know a slight like um difference in the mm-hmm. it's like dips a little right the, the the surface of the camera part dips a little so there's that sort of gap protection that some uh, companies okay. do i don't know the technical names of a lot of these things um but yeah i i don't know yet right i do think this feels like it's safer sure. than the hump from before um yeah but but like, i'm just <laughs> so taken look, with the, the color i like the way it looks a little nice even um, though it's a little boxier any other like major differences between yeah, the S20 yeah. from last year? Um, I don't think it like it's like a not a necessary upgrade from last year. This point. Um, yeah, but mm-hmm. it feels like a refinement in a lot of ways. I think that um, some of the things that stood out to me were surprisingly the software. Um, for example, one thing that our live chat viewers asked us to try out when we were unboxing the S21 last week, S21 Ultra last week, was um, the <laughs> object eraser uh-huh. tool. Uh, <laughs> so I'm pretty fussy about what appears in my background. I don't want people to see that I live a hobo, well, mm-hmm. sort of you can messy see life. A certain extent of, like, extent <laughs> and of your house, uh, uh, in in our video right now. <laughs> yes. I'm typically mm-hmm. a pretty neat person and um, there's not a lot of clutter, but when there is, I like to get rid of it. I just want to have this, <laughs> I guess, appearance that I'm a neat person. And and yeah, this tool seemed fun to me. And it's not like these tools haven't existed in some form in other in other platforms, right? Adobe Photoshop's done this for a while. There's the Me Too selfie editing app has this feature and has had it for a while. Um, but for Samsung to bake it into the photo, the native photo editor app, is I think cool and it works similarly to those apps, right? In terms of the effectiveness, um, I enjoy, like, I just, yeah, just like on my blank white wall, I could get rid of mm-hmm. artwork and photo frames pretty easily. But like in my doorway, if there's a box and there's all kinds of like other stuff, then it's hard. <laughs> like it will leave streaks behind in that auto generated background. So, 
still, I mean, still kind of like nifty to have if you have like a decent background to work with. Um, and then let's see. The other thing was, okay, so space zoom, right? Is one of the big differences between the Ultra and the S21 like and S21 Plus. And on the Ultra, you get up to 100 times space zoom. And it's been improved this year thanks to a combination of that 3 times optical and 10 times optical like telephoto lenses. Um, on the S21 and S21 Plus, you're still relying on this hybrid 3x optic zoom situation and it's mm-hmm. not great it's still pretty muddy i mean samsung says it's like done some work on the algorithm to improve the processing and sharpening and i mean again both v and i asked this in our reviews which is there's some ethical concerns mm-hmm. and would you ever mm-hmm. really need to get beyond 10 times zoom is it necessary but i mean when i did the test it's like i like to talk about like behind the scenes review stuff but i was just trying to test something and see like what use could i get out of this feature i managed to find out that across the like i think like five streets uh-huh. no three streets across from my building there's been a there's been a construction uh in the works and there is this big like what looks like a power box on the roof so i zoomed in and i managed to find out that that so-called power box is actually the brand of toilets <laughs> okay, they were installing okay. in that building. You found building. the toilet boxes. So <laughs> I guess it's useful. I guess it's useful to to to. We're. I mean, so many of us are stuck at home. We need that rear window experience of just zooming into whatever our neighbors are up to. <laughs> yeah. Well. Wow. Okay. I know what you're up to. Um. But no. But if you're at a big arena mm-hmm. at some point in future, that would be a nice feature to have. Or if you're, you know, you have trouble seeing things far away. Uh. Maybe there's a sign really far away, but you're, I don't know, mobbed mm-hmm. in a crowd. Gosh, that's a nightmare. But uh, you could take a pic, you know, you hold up your phone and zoom super, super into a sign that's really far away. Could be useful eventually. Um, right now, though, it seems pretty like a, <laughs> to quote V, like a meaningless flex on Samsung's part to say something like 100 times zoom. I mean, it's not as meaningless as like the the super, super zoom that we've seen some, from some other companies, right? Like other companies have tried more, haven't they? I, I would... <sighs> Yes. So, so like optical zoom lenses on phones, not very new. I think Xiaomi or Oppo did one where they folded a periscope lens sort of thing into the, and similarly to how Samsung sort of doing it. I don't think any of them have claimed up to a hundred times zoom the way Samsung has, but I all need to double check. And this is a hundred optical and digital like combined, right? Right. The the hundred times space zoom is a combination of the optical and digital. (laughs) Um, So that's definitely not like 100 times optical zoom, so pretty insane. One of my biggest challenges as a reviewer of these established <laughs> phone lines is to figure out what's new and what's mm-hmm. not. And that's the thing with Samsung Free. I was like, this looks like a new app. And they were like, um, it used to be called Samsung Daily, <laughs> which used to be on the left side of the home mm-hmm. screen. And so it's not new, but it's now called yeah, Samsung Free. We built this free, thing. So we can't like just throw new. it away, you know? So, yeah. So the other thing I was trying to figure out if it was new and a lot of things, right? One of the things is portrait mode. Um, in my mind, it was just like they all re- always called it portrait mode. But no, before this, they called it live focus, live focus. Um, it's still pretty crap. You'll, I mean, I don't say it in as plain words uh, in my review, but it's not 
great. They say they have improved their AI, but you know, it's still not good at again. I know the chat's been talking about how my hair exploded. There's wisps of hair around my yeah. head, and the AI is still not very I good mean, at detecting every those portrait mode has issues them. with that. Even the Apple one, like I've had issues with that when I try to take pictures of uh Sophia, my daughter, you know, like she her hair will go crazy and it just doesn't know what to do. Yes, I yeah. do feel like good portrait is one thing people want right now, right? It seems standard in Google's phones and the iPhone. Yes. So Samsung's just isn't quite there. I love, I love, I love portrait mm -hmm. modes, right? And Google has one of the best, in my opinion. I think iPhones Im are improving on that front too. Here's, here's another basic UI thing that Samsung needs to improve, right? A lot of its fun modes like that are buried in more. <laughs> whereas like on the Google, on, on the Google camera app, which is also buries a lot of things in more, it's done better with the latest Android update to move some of those things. Uh, like when you go to video mode, you get options for pan not panorama, time lapse and, and slow motion and that sort of thing now. Um, on the Samsung, and, and Google also has a dedicated portrait mode like thing that you can quickly switch to. The For Samsung, is buried under more. And like, there's a lot of more. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of things in more that you can do. I, I don't know if you can see it right now. <laughs> Take a look at my face. Um, but night mode is here, portrait mode is here. It doesn't, it, it's just always two swipes away to get to some of these things. But speaking of portrait mode, I play it with it. These new like blur mm -hmm. effects and, um, lighting effects are like fine. They're kind of, they're funny. I look wild. I'll post some of them to Instagram <laughs> stories soon. Y'all can take a look. Uh, and I'll let y'all vote on them, but uh, they're pretty fun. They're just not anything actually good or yeah. useful. I think Apple, know? at least when it comes to that artificial lighting in their portrait modes, does a better job there. Whereas Google's computing capabilities is the thing that really makes their portrait modes stand out, even with a single lens mm -hmm. camera. Can you use the Google camera on the Samsung phones for portrait? You can download the yeah, so app um, and use it. Yeah, yeah. So that's what a lot of people do. That's one of the that's a power user yeah. move. Def, good yeah. for you. I mean, uh, that's <laughs> where we are, right? We're power users and super nerds over here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's other things, right? That like. We talked to Hiroshi Lockheimer last week about Android and Samsung and some of their collaborations there. And one of the things that's nice to see on One UI 3 is that like when you swipe to the right from the homepage now, you'll pull up the Google Discover feed, which is much better than <laughs> what it was before, uh -huh. which is Samsung Daily, which was just Bixby It turns everywhere. out like whenever Samsung moves away from its own software, its phones get better. Shocker. Yes. I'm so Ugh. sorry, but getting rid of Bixby and mm -hmm. that silly little Bixby button on the older phones, man. Um, but to uh, speaking of Samsung Daily, right? Samsung Daily, by the way, is no longer supported on Galaxy S20s with One UI uh, 3. But Samsung Free, I found it super fun, surprisingly. That's like, not encouraging. I hated Come Samsung on. Daily, but Samsung <laughs> Free, mm, give me more. Because basically... Mm -hmm. I know, but basically it puts a bunch of like TV channels or um, publications or mm -hmm. games that you can access and play for free, right? As the name suggests. So I didn't think uh -huh. I would like it until I just was checking it out as part of the review. And okay. I found a channel that just played Gordon sure. Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares the whole time. 24-7 Kitchen Nightmares <laughs> for free. Thing. And I was like, oh, bitch, I would uh -huh. do this. <laughs> I was like, I will re I will watch this. So I just watched Kitchen Nightmares while I was texting my friends and whatever for like all night. You have Kitchen Nightmares on tons of services right now, probably, Sherlyn. But it was just there. Yeah, but not like uh -huh. 
it was just there and like I didn't have to go find yeah. it or whatever. And you know me, I like to put something on TV and still look at something else on my phone. I'm a terrible person. I was really wondering like what basic game did you end up falling into because of Samsung Free? Was it any did anything call to you? No, thankfully I didn't spend too much time mm-hmm, looking at mm-hmm. the games. I will say I've played a thing. lot of two dots, like I mentioned a few weeks ago. So Still still maining two dots right now. It's a thing. Let's talk about the competition for these phones because I, I'm curious about where the Android landscape is right now. These are the first major new phones of the of the year. We're expecting a ton more, but probably not for a while. Are these mm-hmm. running the latest, greatest Snapdragon processors? Is there anything major we're looking forward to that they don't have? So uh, I'll start with what they do have, right? It's it's uh, yeah. Snapdragon 888, which is the high-end phone, not that confusing <laughs> Snapdragon 870 that... Qualcomm just announced, which we will get to in a little bit. Um, 8 gigs of RAM, 128 gigs, or 256 gigs of storage, depending on your configuration. Um, and then it, yeah. at $800, yeah. honestly, that's that's pretty seriously good. Um, out there in the market, at this price range, you have the Pixel 5, mm. which is $100 cheaper, um, and uses like an old-ass... Can I say ass? Old crap. That thing is like basically three years behind at this point, chip wise. Yeah. Yeah. A really uh, it, and and you, I, yeah. So the Pixel Five is one of the competitors. The other competitor is the OnePlus Eight T, which uses an eight sixty five, I believe, and uh, I think maybe slightly more RAM. But I have to double check. But here's the thing. Uh huh. Yeah. I feel like the OnePlus Eight T and the Galaxy S twenty one are very different phones. It's the OnePlus Eight T mm-hmm. is a good phone at that price range for the power user you know you have things like 120 hertz refresh rate you have uh, very clean software you have sort of a quad sensor array but i'm not a big fan of oneplus's cameras in general they're not great and also instead of a telephoto you have a five megapixel macro lens so it's like if you really like close-ups I kind of honestly, that. I, I feel like a macro lens for a lot of people would be more useful than an extra Could extra be. telephoto. Like especially, you see something outside, and you're like, "Look at this cool bug!" And then you start to realize you can only focus to a certain point with your phone cameras. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had that problem, so maybe this is a this you is a, like, nature, like use so case difference. It, but yeah. It's wow, I do like nature, but I don't get up close with bugs. <laughs> Dang. Dang. Um, but but I will say this. Uh, there, the Samsung, the S21 Ultra, does have a sort of faux macro mode mm-hmm. where like it switches to the wide, the ultra wide angle lens when you get and when it senses that you're very, very close to your subject. So there is that option mm-hmm. where you still get the focus, right? I and I, I do see your point about like a five megapixel macro being more useful than say a 10 times optical zoom for someone. But yeah. anyway, that's the OnePlus 8T. Um, and I feel like OnePlus appeals to its very <laughs> hardcore base of users yeah. and people who are willing to experiment a little bit. But for the most part, people want to go with a brand they already know. And the Galaxy S series is really yeah. well established. Because you could buy it anywhere um, too. It's the next, it is still the iPhone equivalent for Android, you know? So right. kind of makes sense. And Speaking of the iPhone equivalent to this, the final competitor for this that I considered for my reviews, the iPhone 12, mm. the, the, not the mini, the one up from the, the mini, up, yeah. um, Camera setup is similar. They're all like 12 megapixel wide, ultra wide. It's a beautiful phone. Like I bought, so I have an 11 Pro. I bought my wife the iPhone 12 recently, like yanking her out of Android verse because I'm just tired of juggling two ecosystems (laughs) in the same house. It's not worth it. But just looking at the screen on the iPhone 12, like the way 
it's sort of painted on to beautiful OLED screen. They're still stuck with 60 hertz refresh rate, but every time I look at her phone, I was like, it looks a little brighter and a little punchier than mine because it's actually using, I think, a yeah. newer type of uh, Apple's OLED display. So there, there are benefits there. Yeah, yeah. but I have you have you looked at the Samsung phone though? You know I what I mean? Like the S21. Samsung phone yeah. screens. They're the they're they're the market leaders for a reason mm-hmm. in terms of screens, right? Their their screens are amazing. I will say yes. I, when I saw the iPhone 12 Mini uh, and my hands on, I did find it nice too. I, mean, I think we're at a point where most screens are nice. Well, at least if they're because <laughs> so, Samsung is AMOLED. The iPhone, the new Retina XR is also OLED. So as long as like you've got yeah. the OLED, then you have this nice OLED, like yeah. painted effect right on the screen that looks beautiful. I think at this point, I can tell when a phone is going LCD. And maybe has like a slightly oh, yeah. lesser screen. That's immediately noticeable to me. Yeah. Um, to your point too about the screens, right? Like I, I got, I, I made that rookie mistake of getting tricked by the saturation on Samsung yep. screen. Where like I took a picture on the S twenty one, and I was like, oh my gosh, this looks beautiful. Shared it to Instagram, and then looked at it on my <laughs> other phone, like a Pixel, and I was like, damn it, this lower is that just saturation, normal. Samsung. Come on, it's a lie. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was pretty bummed by that. And that, that was like so far on record, my lowest liked Instagram post today. Wow. So you're, you're ugly duckling. Uh- <laughs> Final question for you between all this. So S21 yes. versus the S21 ultra. I'm, I assume the ultra is like more expensive and everything. Who, who should get the S21? Who should get the S21 ultra? If you, for me, a lot of it boils down to the size mm-hmm. of this thing. Uh, I found the S20 Ultra, which is last year's yeah. Ultra, heavy. It was cumbersome. Uh, and the size of the S20 regular, which is last year's, was was much better for me. And this is very much the same, except it looks just so much prettier. <laughs> um, I'm okay with the full HD resolution. Mm-hmm. That's perfectly fine by me. It runs, gosh, like a, an Olympic champion, really. Um, and there's just... N- I can't think of anything that I want that I don't have other than micro SD card slot, but I rely on cloud storage. I think for most mainstream people, S21 will be just fine, especially at the price. Um, and then go up to the S21 Ultra if you're really looking for a few more high-end features, if you really think you want good telephoto uh, and zoom pictures. Uh, and, you know, I do think it does have better like cameras. Mm-hmm. The the S21 Ultra definitely has better you know clarity in its pictures as well uh, from some of the samples I have seen. So yeah, I mean, those are the reasons. Uh, everything else is largely. You also get nicer color options mm-hmm. on the smaller phones too. So man, looking, we're watching really, also really like some black, video though. of this too, and looking at the side okay. view of these things in this camera hub, I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, it's starting to look like one of those thick dad wallets. You know, like just getting a little too thick. I think, but uh, yeah, any the I think the ultra. Yeah, that's a bigger. That's the bigger phone oh, for sure, and that's why the hump is bigger with bigger cameras in there whereas it's a little mm-hmm. bit more flush on the s21 so again i feel like the s21 is good enough for most people this is the phone that i'll probably recommend sure. my mom get get when she wants to upgrade um it's it's nice i i, I have very few bad things to say about it okay really. well thank you Shirlin, for all this if you guys have any questions about the s21 or s21 ultra shoot us an email at podcastinggadget.com and we will take a look at all your questions Let's move on to some other news stories. And one thing that actually dropped this morning as we're recording the podcast is some details on Apple's rumored VR headset plans and AR headset plans from Bloomberg. It is, um, first of all, we know Apple was kind of working on something just because Mm -hmm. this category, right, is interesting enough and new enough and magically 
gotten billions in funding to try to develop these perfect AR glasses and they completely failed. So the door is wide open for a company like Apple to kind of jump in. Microsoft is kind of getting there with HoloLens too. Um, but what Bloomberg is saying is kind of interesting, right? Is they're saying Apple is working on a standalone VR headset that's going to be very, very expensive, um, very powerful, even more powerful than the M1 chips that are currently in Macs, uh, potentially may have cloth. Uh, right now, they're, de- they're working on a couple of designs. It may have bands, which none mm-hmm. of Apple's mobile devices have. Um, I think the key, though, is that this thing... It's not it's not going to be a mainstream device. It sounds like Apple is planning something that is super, super premium that developers can use to start building things within its own AR VR platform. And eventually they're going to come up with a pair of actual AR glasses. So maybe more like Magic Leap, um, you know, when the tech is there for it. Um, Bloomberg says, like, could be as soon as 2020 or sorry, 2022 when we see these VR glasses or these VR goggles, um, which seems kind of, you know, soon, but basically Apple is starting from scratch here, right? Because what we've seen with the VR market is that everybody, uh, Oculus and HTC Vive launched at the same time, I believe 2016. Steam VR is a platform, started building up there. Oculus has its own platform. Windows has its mixed reality platform. These are all PC focused things, right? And then Sony's out there with PlayStation VR, which, hey, works really well and ended up bringing uh, basic VR to a lot of people with those consoles. But so far, VR has been very PC-focused. Apple has been shut out entirely. You know, it's sort of like, um, it is a weird thing where they're missing out on this entire new medium. So it makes sense that they're working on their own things, that they're maybe not striving to solve all the problems of VR with this first device. uh, Because, hey, that's what Facebook's trying to do with the Oculus Quest and the Quest 2. And I think they're doing a really good job of it, but there are still problems and there's still data issues with Facebook and everything. And also, like, even though Facebook is making these things more uh, more inexpensive, right, the Quest 2 starts at, is it $199 now or $299? It is cheaper than the Quest 1 was. Um, and it's still pretty powerful, too, and you could do a lot with it, but we're still waiting for a lot of good content. I don't know if it's a great buy for everybody, but we are getting there. So that part of it makes sense. Um, one thing that is weird they say Apple had trouble fitting in space. Um, they had trouble making them light enough for people to actually wear these headsets. So they actually remove the extra space that's in a lot of headsets to make room oh. for glasses, like my thick glasses. And I already have trouble fitting glasses into VR headsets. Like I always feel like I'm mm-hmm. about to crunch my glasses here. Uh, the story says that Apple is just like, okay, well... Let's just remove glasses support and we'll just add support for, you know, replaceable prescription lenses, which is a thing you can do on certain VR headsets already. You could do that with the Quest and Quest 2. Um, I, it, it hasn't worked out that well for me. I did get a pair of prescription glasses from Facebook to test or prescription goggles. It's fine, but I think it's easier for me to like keep my glasses on and try out multiple headsets at once. So that potential, that issue could be a, that then could be an issue for Apple uh, because it takes that VR device into like almost like a medical category where you'll need specific, you know, approval to deliver prescription lenses or something. So that could be an issue. Um, so Apple's doing something with VR. Uh, we're kind of getting more details. I think what is funny is I woke up, I saw that story. Yeah. And it is me at Oculus Connect <laughs> 6 at the top of that Bloomberg story. And that feels really weird. It reminds me of when... Yeah, when you're in VR, when you're wearing a headset, you have no idea what's happening outside, right? And I never 
I didn't see a photographer. Uh, I never had to be like, hey, cool. It's okay if you take a photo of me. Uh, when I take photos of people at events, I ask them, especially if they're in VR, because you may be doing something that looks a little weird or silly and you don't want to be public ah. with that. Um, but yeah, I believe I was testing mm -hmm. the hand tracking on the Oculus Quest. Uh, so I have this like weird fist pose or something. Ah. Uh, anyway, it's when you go to any event, exactly. you basically sign a waiver that's like, hey, you're going to be photographed. You're going to be video. You're going to be videotaped. It's just funny to see myself pop up here. I, I want um i just want to say it's a good picture yeah. of you not to not it's not even a dig that because your face is no. half covered with the headset but it's it's a it's, good it's picture a, sorry no. i think that's why it's a good picture of me is that i'm wearing a vr headset you and look I'm like you're like flexing semi, it's pretty good yeah. post because <laughs> i think at that point i was trying to grab something with the hand gesture um so yeah that was funny to see uh we will certainly have more news in apple's vr plans and you know, I, I've talked to some people and a lot of folks are just like, this is a very dumb strategy from Apple. But I'll say it does. It kind of makes a lot of sense for them. They don't want to. Nobody wants to, like, build their entire mm -hmm. strategy around VR because AR and AR glasses mm -hmm. is kind of where we're headed, or at least mixed reality glasses mm -hmm. that can kind of do both. So Apple is swinging for the device that's coming mm -hmm. five years from now, you know, because that's going to be a huge new category, whereas We've seen so far, I think Oculus has done a good job of basically perfecting what a good standalone VR headset could be like. And even that is still limited for a lot of people. It's still very, it's very closed off. I can't see anything happening outside. If I go into VR, I can't see my wife. I can't see my child, you know, like you are in your own zone. Um, so I do think like AR is going to be a thing that's going to be a little more broadly accessible. Yeah, I'm with you. There. And it's not like we haven't heard that Apple has been mm -hmm. working on, you know, some sort of headset for a long time. These rumors have been swirling exactly. for so for a long, long time. since they made hires in those departments. Yeah. We're just, I think, getting closer to finding out more. I think mm -hmm. 2022, if that's really the case, you know, of them being ready to start selling these or, or launching these, we might even hear something by the end of this year yeah. from Apple. Well, probably, like, I wouldn't exactly. be surprised if they tease it. Exactly. At the, like, one at more the thing, and then someone puts year. on glasses, but, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah one more thing. Um, you, you've actually been in VR <laughs> oh, no. this whole time. Uh don't forget Magic Leap, guys. Like, we've been writing about Magic Leap for years. Like, they got a ton of funding, and they were so hyped up. Just fizzled and burned. Just, they couldn't make it work. And I think Apple is afraid of that. Apple's afraid of the potential problems we're already seeing in the VR industry, too. That's one reason why Microsoft, you know, they have HoloLens. They have some Windows Mixed Reality headsets kind of out there. But they they haven't brought it to Xbox, which I think would be a big thing for them, Um I feel like a lot of people are waiting for wireless VR to become a thing. So maybe that'll be the next version of the PS, the PlayStation VR, or the next version of whatever they bring to Xbox. So this is a really nation industry. And that's why I think we're seeing a lot of different people experiment with different strategies. Um, I wouldn't call this crazy for Apple yet. This may actually be the thing that we need to get them to AR, you know, sooner we'll than other folks. We'll see. Some some other news happened this week, of course, and we, we can't talk about all of them, but I did want to shout out the Snapdragon 870 5G chipset. This is Qualcomm's new so-called high-end, you know, premium mobile chipset, right? This follows up the Snapdragon 865 Plus mm -hmm. or the 865, um, which is kind of confusing, right? Because didn't the company just announce the Snapdragon 888 in December 
Hmm. Mm-hmm. But okay. So the Snapdragon 888, right? It has different architecture altogether. It's got that one, you know, prime core, the superpower like X1, I think, prime. And then it's got the regular like big cores and then the like little cores. Um, the 875G is more similar uh, to the 865 and 865 Plus in that respect. It does, uh, you know, have a bit of a slightly faster graphics processor. The Adreno uh, graphics processor is a little bit faster. And then that's mm-hmm. pretty much it. This is, it. it's like, for those brands mm-hmm. that want to get a Snapdragon 888 or, or want sort of high-end power but don't want to get the 888 for some reason, you know, uh, the 870... Sure. Is there a price difference? Is there a power so draw believe, difference? What do you think? Right. So like, here's the big difference. Thing. It is a seven nanometer chipset mm-hmm. versus the 888, which is five nanometers. That's the huge difference, Ooh. right? And that's why it, you know, I, I kind of want to okay. be like, why do you want to make a new seven nm chipset when you already have the five nm? But that yeah. Yeah. that will be cheaper. It'll be it cheaper. Will mean, yeah. the power draw might be different. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It probably is. Um, but then yeah. this does give phone pe- like phone companies the option of here's still a good high-end iterative upgrade from last year that you can buy that won't mm-hmm. be as expensive as the five nanometer eight eighty eight. I think and I think we're seeing like there's a need for more variety in chipsets, right? Like that's why the Pixel 5 ended up being stuck with like a two-year-old chipset because there wasn't like that not quite high end, but inexpensive and bigly affordable and efficient chip for, for it's hard to, to say that. why that decision was made just because yeah. i feel like qualcomm's product yeah. po- portfolio is already pretty segmented you've got the 800 series then you've got the 600 mid-range yeah. series but yeah. in between you have the 700 series then you've got the 400 series fam i could talk to you about snapdragon numbers all day don't even <laughs> stay tuned for more <laughs> snapdragon, talk. snapdragon numbers snap talk with sherlin low yeah Snapdog. Um, but yeah, so so it was just interesting <laughs> to see because um, we we discussed we, we we talked about this slightly when we were talking about the S twenty one earlier. Will there be maybe a new? By the way, the Galaxy S twenty FE. Will there be a S twenty one FE later this year that uses the eight seventy <laughs> instead of an eight eighty eight, and therefore be a lot cheaper? Um, sure. sure. But also want to shout out that mm-hmm. for those of you that just bought an S twenty FE, gua, 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 I'm so sorry, little violin for you because. You just Aww. got showed up by the S21 because that's the better phone to get for the money, <laughs> right? Like a few months later, Samsung just showed you a better yeah. phone for $100-ish more. It's really, it's never a good time to <laughs> buy a Samsung phone because they're always ready to launch something that's different and it's going to be a little cheaper. A little, it's we, so, we so got annoying. that question on know. Twitter too, which is uh, when is a good time to buy a Samsung mm-hmm. phone? And I was just like, don't buy it when it just launched. Just don't never. That's the first thing. <laughs> buy it a few weeks later. Depends on right. how much you if need you a new phone, wait, right? If you can wait, you'll almost certainly always find it cheaper a month later. Like I do feel like maybe they need to do a better job of telling us what's coming, you know, and that yeah. may affect sales or something, but at least that would be a little more transparent with audiences. So you could be like, okay, you want the S21 and Ultra right now? You want a Note? Yeah. Wait wait a couple months for the Note. You want something cheaper? We will have an SE later this year. Well, we like, more or less know the, the, the cadence yeah. of these things, right? We know that in the fall, we can always expect a new Note, some new iPhones, some new Pixels. We know that in February, mm-hmm. we always see a new February or January This in this case. Uh, we see a new S20 something. Mm-hmm. And then new Sony phones, new OnePlus mm-hmm. comes around at the same time too. But the the FE was a surprise last year, right? And we don't we know. We don't know. Yeah, coming. they could stand yeah. to be more transparent for sure, but I think there's still this whole like we want to surprise yeah. everyone, we hate the leakers kind of uh, deal going on. So 
we'll see. We'll see. It's okay. You're Samsung. Yeah. People will buy your yeah. phones. Trust me. Let's move on to what we've been working on. And I just want to shout out a couple of things here. Ooh. Zenbook Duo, the Asus Zenbook Duo, which won our nice. best PC category at CES, by the way. Um, a very cool laptop. It is their latest dual screen machine. I am uh, testing that right now for a review for next week. I'm really digging it. Um, there's a reason I recommended it as our best at CES, because I do think Asus has done a good job of optimizing and bringing their dual screen technology forward and the software and everything around that. So that's pretty good. I also actually, as we're recording this, um, I have my webcam perched on the edge of Dell's 40 inch ultra wide monitor. And that's something I'll be writing about as well. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty big monitor, but I'm also coming at Mm -hmm. it from a 34 inch ultra wide, which that is my sweet spot for desktop computing. Um, I'm not feeling a huge difference there and it's kind of big and unwieldy and not so great from games at this point from what i've seen but we'll have more on that soon we're both also working on stuff around yes, yes. sundance right so we will um i'm working on a preview thing uh they're doing something really cool this year where they're doing yep. this like br interface so i actually just tested it out you can go to a web page and if you do that on an oculus quest or a vr headset it will launch a WebXR experience where you can go in mm-hmm. and talk with people but also through web browsers, people can also log in and do like walk around like Second Life or something and, you know, walk up to people and do video chats Mm -hmm. with the VR people. So they are experimenting with all this cool new stuff. We'll be writing about that. And some of the VR stuff we see at Sundance, probably some of the movies too, right? Um, I mean, yeah, like uh, I only just cleared most of the Samsung stuff off my plate. I still have some Samsung work left to do, which is the video. I know people who are our YouTube viewers are like, where's your review video? It's coming. Be patient, please, um, because I really didn't have any time. I didn't have any time to put this while. review together, basically, right? Because you had a public holiday. <laughs> Great. Anyway. We, we had a holiday, and also Samsung gave you guys hardware right after CES uh-huh. and announced it right after CES. Like, Don't even get me started mm, on Samsung because that's I am annoying. mad at them. That's but, annoying. Uh, so just cleared that. Yeah. Still have a little bit of Samsung work to do. Still have some regular like new stuff to do. But, um, yeah, Sundance stuff, I'm trying to start getting through and sorting out and figuring out a plan with you, Devendra. Um, and then also, um, I'm still testing out the Amazon Halo. Don't forget. Um, we're, we're going to come to a decision. You just, you keep Maybe. breaking the tone warnings on the Halo. It's like, I don't, They're like, I don't know what to do with this girl. She's not I, a person. She's, not she's listening got so to many me. emotions. Um, and, and, you know, more reviews like that. And also like other briefings have just been coming up. It, it kind of just never ends because I got a, a strange invite from it my never in my inbox uh, recently, so I'm I'm pretty sure I was hopeful there might be a bit of a lull coming up because you know as Samsung is done, but no, I'm pretty also just so you know a lot of people were asking is there a new Galaxy Z Fold, um I'm pretty sure we'll be seeing that so I'm making a wild guess mm-hmm. but kind of also going like eh, it's I'm pretty sure that's coming in February <laughs> so stay tuned for that um yeah th- th- that's my work I'm working on. Let's move on to our pop culture picks. While while I have you, Sherlyn, what do you want to talk about or recommend this year for us or this week? I I have seen a lot of crap, uh, <laughs> and I this is might be too early to recommend, but I don't know if people know this, but my favorite Avenger is Vision. 
<laughs> Your favorite Avenger. Okay. My favorite okay. Avenger is Vision. And so obviously He's a cool dude. WandaVision yeah. uh is is the show I'm gonna recommend this week. I, I watched the first two episodes. It was really I blazed right through because each episode was barely like twenty five minutes long. Um mm-hmm. and it's with like ten minutes of credits. Or yeah, it's, oh god, yeah. the credits yeah. are so long. I was like, what the hell so is going many on? Credits. Um, so it stars obviously it's got Scarlet Witch and uh, Vision. Uh, you know, and it's basically set. It's yeah. like it's an old TV show, like I Love Lucy and A Bewitched from the sixties. I guess mm-hmm. it's all. I believe we cannot call her. So the way this works is that we cannot call her Scarlet Witch. Oh, because that is an X Men character. And at least in the MCU, yeah, yeah, yeah. she is because actually in I believe in one of the crappy X Men movies they had they also had a Scarlet Witch too. Man. But that that's a Fox title. But anyway, it is totally you know, it's it's, it's who Wanda we know. Maximoff. It's Wanda yes, Maximoff played by Elizabeth yeah. Olsen and Vision played by Paul Bettany. And uh, I love me some Vision. And I love seeing Vision in his true human form. Um, even in black and white and uh you know this is this is so far just mostly a comedy really it feels like uh, I, I used to i grew up on bewitched i don't know what that says about yeah, how old i yeah. am it is bewitched it's yeah. bewitched it's the dick van dyke show yeah. it's i love lucy yeah. it is all those classic sitcoms and i am shocked by how much they went into they, they went hard into, into it the bit very hard of doing this like and it, it's it's surprising. I can't say I I didn't need two episodes not, of being stuck in an no, old sitcom, yeah. but it's fun. It's, it's been funny. surprisingly yeah. fun. I didn't think I would like it because I'm not a big fan of old timey black and white stuff. But Elizabeth Olsen's mm-hmm. acting is pretty incredible in this. I'm like, she sells just the perfect amount of incredulous at the situation, but also fits right in with yeah. the almost Stepford Wives sort of situation great it's just great and then paul bettany i mean vision's yeah. just bumbling around his vision so it's great <laughs> he's great he's he's pure dick van dyke energy over there right. i also really like Catherine hahn oh, yeah. in that show oh, yeah. who is you know an actor who i love mm-hmm. uh and she has appeared in all sorts of stuff but here she is channeling that annoying 50s neighbor yes, housewife so good. vibe oh. uh i think perfectly Can, okay so. and my last hey, my, my last word on wandavision it will be this right it's still in, in two episodes mm-hmm. and it's still in that sort of weird strange black and white situation but they are going to break out of it and that's what i'm really looking forward to seeing more of because we know what mm-hmm. happened in endgame well something's going we on. know what happened yeah. in infinity war with vision right i <laughs> before i went to watch infinity war i told everyone on twitter i was like, like wait a minute people were like who's your yeah. favorite avenger i was like i've decided it's vision they went oh god who's gonna tell her <laughs> i was like oh no <laughs> what happened he dies. Yeah. So I'm excited to see if this is all a figment of her imagination or if Vision is truly back because of some sort of time change or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, that's what I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing. Yeah. So watch that with yeah, me. I'm sure I, I like the construct of the show and I'm looking to see like, okay, clearly they're either in some sort of weird simulation right, or something right. or is it something they put them like, is this something Wanda put herself in yeah. just to keep herself safe from the rest of humanity or does does some supervillain have exactly, them connected? Exactly. One thing um, I just I kind of like imagined when I was talking about this on my movie podcast is that uh, what if they use the end of this to be like this is the reveal of the X Men in the MCU oh. because we are waiting for that yeah, and they're they I think they've already said that they're working on a way to like eventually bring X-Men characters into this because now Disney has the Fox stuff and Fox had MCU for, or had all the X-Men stuff for a while. So now's the chance for them to start bringing some, some of these characters. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I'm not sure if I want to replace Hugh Jackman in my heart as Wolverine, because he was always my favorite X-Men and, 
after Logan, that was yeah. definitely his farewell yeah. to that role. But, uh, you know, there, there are people. I can imagine like a, a Joe Manganiello doing a really fun Wolverine. Ooh. And he's already kind of done stuff like yeah. that. The werewolf guy from True Blood. He's pretty good, you know, yeah. He's a fun, nerdy guy. He's already kind of, he's older. He's like mid-40s right now. But you could do a good 10 years worth of like Wolverine movies with him too. He would be a good too. Wolverine. Yeah, for sure. I love him. He's also, he's a guy known for hosting D&D campaigns in his basement in LA with other like notable <laughs> Hollywood stars. So I love him. And I love him and his wife. and uh, A true yeah. nerd. <laughs> true nerd. Yes. Uh, love it over there. Well, thank you for the fun mm-hmm. picture, Lynn, because my pop culture picks, not so fun. Not so fun because uh, I saw two documentaries this week and this week, um, you know, we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. Day um, on Monday and I saw the documentary MLK FBI directed by Sam Pollard. And this really dives into the FBI's just sheer, I don't know, sheer obsession with destroying Martin Luther King and it is um it is quite something. Like you've probably heard like oh yeah, the FBI just didn't really like him, mm. but no, like it is it is a full on it was like a full on, you know, drive and case by the FBI to destroy MLK as somebody who was being uh becoming a bit of a, you know, an actual thought leader for black Americans mm. and they, you know, they bugged his phones. They had people listening to him uh, on uh, in hotel rooms, like right opposite him. They did a lot of coverage about affairs he's had with women, and their plan was to like basically destroy him as a moral authority. Um, I, I think the documentary does a great job of bringing in new insights and just seeing just how far the FBI went in this respect too. And it brings up an important point. We talk a lot about Martin Luther King Jr. today. Um, in reverential tones. I think history has really looked kindly on everything he stood for. But back then, most of America hated him. And most of America supported the FBI and what they were doing. Um, and the FBI has always had like a really good PR uh, spin, you know, that they were protecting America. I grew up watching the X-Files and Silence of the Lambs and everything. It's like, I, I didn't realize, I didn't learn about all this stuff until much later in my life. So I think this documentary is worth watching just to kind of see what the extent to which the FBI, a federal organization spent decades just trying to destroy Martin Luther King Jr. And they don't like, they can't say anything specifically about his assassination, but there are certainly elements where they're like, did, did they just not try to stop somebody who was trying to kill him? Because actually it's in their best interest. So anyway, I think it's really worth watching, especially after this week, especially after goddamn government organizations like ICE uh, were tweeting out, respect to MLK and everybody was like, you're ice. No, you were, you were actually directly opposed to everything he stood for, but thank you for that. I guess. Um, I also saw another documentary called the dissident by Brian Fogel. Uh, he did the Oscar winning documentary Icarus a couple of years ago. And this one is all about the story behind, um, the death of Washington post journalist, Jamal Khashoggi and oh, yeah. Saudi Arabia's involvement in that. And just, Hey, this is worth watching too because it is it's a dangerous time for journalists. Um they're getting arrested, they're getting killed all over the world. And this kind of dives into what was happening and the reactions from his fiance, people who worked with him, and the exploration of like, you know, uh 
police in Turkey too, who were like, they were investigating this and just watching Saudi Arabia lie about what happened to him. It's a gruesome story. It's terrible what happened to him. And it, I think it says a lot about what Saudi Arabia is doing as a country, but I think everybody should watch this documentary just to see, just to see like the, the full scale of how hard they went against him too. And Hey, it turns out it's uh it's not that different from how the FBI went after Martin Luther King Jr. So I think that parallel is definitely there. Um, so those are my picks. Those are um, those maybe are some for something pretty heavy. Picks. Something more fun. Exactly. Something more fun because it's been a very serious week for me. Uh, I think after the yep. inauguration, we got some great Bernie. Sanders memes. (laughs) And I think that's probably one of the best things we got because he was, uh, everybody was socially distanced out there outside (laughs) and he was there huddled up in just like his dad jacket and uh, fuzzy wool uh, mittens and just like chilling, just like, you know, not giving any crap. So love the memes. There's one of him on the Spirit Away train, one of him next to sad Keanu. There's one in every respect. um, Fits everywhere. I love the Queen's Gambit one. Oh, man. (laughs) There are there are a lot. I I saw yeah I saw a Colbert one where he's on the Colbert show and and Steve <laughs> Stephen Colbert tweeted it out saying that uh, okay we'll turn up the heat already. Um, our our video producer Luke Brooks also made one uh, that has a sort of throw shout out I guess to uh, <laughs> if you I think I'm going to end things. I think that's what is what the movie is. Um, there's one from I'm Bird, of Box. Bird Box. Bird Box. <laughs> So many. Uh, they're all great. And what we want you to do, dear listener and viewers, is send us your Bernie memes. Hey, if you've been making them, I'd love to tweet them out. Send them to us. We could all use a laugh. If you're not tuning into the live stream or watching this on YouTube just yet, my dear podcast listener, yeah. you really should consider. We you, have you can actually go back and just on. look at this segment and see those see those clips. It's it'll all be fun. up on YouTube, folks. Well, I guess we should just wrap it up for now. Thank yes. you, Trillin. All right, so that's it for our episode, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter or talking about movies and TV at the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilm.com. We just had an episode where we were talking about Baccarat, which was my favorite movie of last year. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. in our After Dark segments right now. So check that out. Devendra side hustles. Well, if you want (laughs) to live tweet WandaVision's new episodes with me, let's watch it together, guys. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts, your memes, and your feedback at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes, please, so everyone can look at your memes. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. Wow, I do like nature, but I don't get up close with bugs.